there again. This is Simon Kaplan with uh, the perfect podcast from Chico Hospital for Cats. And today I have with me the wonderful <laughs> Elizabeth Colleran, our doctor and owner of the hospital. Hi, Dr. Colleran. Hi, Samit. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. Rather than having a um, guideline and a plan on the topic, we are just going to talk about cats, just simply cats. You know, I think that, that one of the things that is most interesting is how popular cats have become. They are the most numerous companion animal in North America now. Mm -hmm. People have more cats than anything else, um, including tortoises and things like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and the, but, but yet there's so little information about who cats are and where they came from. And, and why they're so different. People talk about them as being inscrutable or hard to understand. The truth is, is that cats came into our lives about 10,000 years ago when as humans, we stopped wandering around so much and mm -hmm. we started gathering up grain and all this happened in the Fertile Crescent, which is then became Persia and I think now is mostly Iran and, and that area. Mm -hmm. um, and we started gathering up grain. We weren't planting anything yet. We were just get. We learned that there was food, a food source there, and so cats were drawn to the mice who were attracted to these open pits full of grain. Okay. So now we thought these cats were absolutely great because they were protecting our grain mm -hmm. from the rodents that were happy to consume it, and that was a special mouse that evolved called Mus musculus. And it's the only um, mouse that's completely inhabited around where people live. Mm -hmm. And so it's this one particular um, type of mouse. And, um, and the cats became our partners to preserve our grains in these open uh, pits where we stored them. And then about 7,500 years ago, we found the first evidence of companion cats. And that was on the island of Cyprus where we found, someone found, the body of a man and his cat that were buried very close together along with some really interesting implements that were clearly buried with the man and his cat as, mm -hmm. as ways of, of coping with the afterlife. It makes sense that Cyprus is close, because uh, it, it makes sense it was found in Cyprus because that's a close area to Persia and what is now Turkey and Iran, so that, that makes sense. Absolutely, but get this. Cyprus is one of the only islands on the planet that never had a land bridge. Oh, okay. So that cat got there in a boat. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's kind of cool. So, so then about 5,000 years ago, the Egyptians started having them as companions. Mm -hmm. And they were, but it was the aristocracy. You know, it wasn't the, uh, the, wasn't the poor people who kept companion cats. It was the rich people that had them. Mm -hmm. Poor people used them to, as hunters. There was a particular type of snake and a, a particular type of rat that were um, known to carry diseases and to be quite toxic to humans. And so the cats became, their role split into two. In one part... The, um, the wealthy people kept them as companions mm -hmm. and at, at one point began to worship them. And then they maintained their worker status with the, <clears throat> with the less wealthy people. And they, and they were worshipped as gods then. And, of course, cats have never forgotten this. <laughs> yeah. So, And there was a goddess named Bastet 
who evolved then from a lion's head to having the head of a companion cat. The famous... The famous Bastet, yes. yes. And there were other... She had sort of sub-goddesses that mm-hmm. also had cat heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then one of the things that, that's really interesting to me about this is that cats then became sacrifices to these gods. And they started raising cats, the... the um, the priests of these temples started raising cats that were then mummified and sold to people to take as offerings in the temples. Oh, wow. And the thought is that perhaps what happened is that that's where cats became acclimated to being not only around people more closely, but around other cats. Because cats are really loners, or they used to be. Yeah. They're solitary hunters. They hunt mice, and so that's only meal size for one, right? So there's no sharing. They're very territorial, and before they started living in close quarters with us, they were completely singular territorial animals, and and they would drive away anyone else that entered their territory, and so they had no interest in other cats until they started living more closely in in conjunction with humans. And yet we wonder why our cats don't get along with each other when we put them in a little room. (laughs) Oh, and that's one of the biggest problems, of course. Cats don't like other cats. They haven't known their whole lives. Yeah. And so when people adopt cats like one every three years, Uh a lot of times there's some conflict because the cats really aren't, they're not the kind of of, uh, companions that take very well to strangers. They also don't like change very much. Yeah. Is there is, is there always an alpha cat if there are multiple cats in the household? No. Cats are not do not have a hierarchy like dogs okay. do. There are bully cats mm-hmm. and there are victim cats sometimes in some in mm-hmm. some groups of cats. But by and large, cats are very egalitarian. They don't have bosses and they don't okay. have alphas and that kind of thing. But because they're territorial, they do not um, very comfortably live with cats they haven't known their whole lives. So they'll try to drive away a stranger. In the wild now, um, cats actually have come to evolve to the point where they will actually, the females, of course, the males are always gone. They come in for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's a good date. And then they're gone. They have nothing to do with childcare. Those litters are completely raised by the moms, which are called queens. Mm -hmm. But evolutionarily what's new is is that they will cooperatively raise kittens two queens for example especially if they're related will actually cooperate in raising litters of kittens together wow so think about that when about 24 hours after the kittens are born the the mother will stay entirely with the cats for that first 24 hours but now she's got to go eat yes because she's got to make more milk to feed her babies Mm -hmm. so the second queen will mind the kittens that are now completely vulnerable, they're only a day old, they don't, they're don't. they blind, they can't thermoregulate or, or manage their own body temperature, mm-hmm. they can't hear, you know, they're completely vulnerable to pests, to other hunters, to temperature and all that mm-hmm. while the queen is out hunting. So her, her companion female will actually mind all the kittens, babysit them, while she's gone out to hunt. And that's brand new. That's happened since they became part of our lives. So the second female sort of becomes this protector. Yeah, she's like the little auntie for the 
for the litter and then and and they'll do that back and forth so mm -hmm. they'll cooperate and when the, the next litter is born of that for that queen the same thing will happen so they'll live in closer quarters and get along really quite well for as long as they're they're related to one another but the guys are gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we're not surprised no <laughs> that's awesome that's really interesting information so do you where, where do you think this evolution is going to go if we have them the way we have them now well it's that's a very interesting question because cats now have decided that they really do like us and I, <laughs> and I have a whole hour lecture on how to know whether your cat loves you or not <laughs> and but and so those that's the one side of, of things is they've become evolutionarily really part of our families but the other thing that's that's a driver that we don't know how it's going to come out is that we spay and neuter almost every cat we can catch, mm -hmm. right? And there are personalities to cats and the, the ones that are more wary of people are the ones we can't catch and neuter. Okay. So think about a future where everyone wants to adopt a cat and nobody wants one that that's going to be afraid of them they want one that will you know be part of the family and sit on their laps snuggle. and snuggle and all those kinds of things but now we don't have enough cats because the only ones that are left are the ones that are so wary of humans that they can't be caught mm -hmm. so there is a there is a a, a real scenario where there aren't enough companion cats um, because we've spayed and neutered them all. Now that's way, way, way in the now. Right, still we have a of terrible course. problem. Yes, you know, with the overpopulation and maybe tens but, of hundreds. Yeah, hundred but years. Lo a long time from now. Think about the fact that they've been in our lives now for five thousand years. Yeah. So think of how things could change a couple hundred years from now. And not to mention. I mean, states is great in um, trying to spay and neuter every cat, you know, people can catch, but not to mention these other countries like Turkey, where I'm from, where all these cats are freely roaming all over the place and none of them are spayed. None of them, neutered. oh, I know. <laughs> and, and, it may, and maybe what will happen is, is that Turkey will then become the source for the, export leader. the future <laughs> the future cats of the world perhaps i mean yeah. you know there is there's a there's an interesting dilemma there at least in north america especially canada and the united states where we try to spay and neuter everybody yes and the culture is so different with um some countries you see animals on the streets you know their ears are clipped you know they maybe got some rabies vaccine nobody's worried about them but uh in states if you see a dog or cat you know, by itself on the street, that's a different feeling. You're like, we need to. It catch is. This and, guy. It, and the country, and in different countries, as you said, in Turkey, I've experienced this in Italy, there are huge populations of mm -hmm. completely unowned cats that are cared for in some way because they're, they're, they look pretty well fed, you know, mm -hmm. but they're really not part of anybody's family and they're not spayed and neutered. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a whole lot of dif differences culturally that, that are kind of interesting. Yeah. I, um, I would like to share a personal, little personal experience. A couple of weeks ago when I was in Turkey sitting in my aunt's um, balcony watching the street, um, there was a little man-made shelter where some cats went in and out all morning and quite like an hour later a lady came by and dumped a whole bag of cat food there for them and walked away so it was the morning I was gonna leave and come back here we went down with our suitcases we were about to 
load our car with the suitcases, one of those cats came up to us because they're always friendly there and they know oh, yeah. people means food. So they came up to us and, and one of them, um, it's a stray cat, nobody owns this cat, but had a nice big shaved spot on the side of the uh, body and it was an abscess that was taken care of with sutures and you could see like the betadine still on it and I mean my point is these are street cats but they are taken care of this cat somehow by this lady or somebody who feeds them was taken to a vet paid the bill get the abscess done and release it to its own you know environment back yeah it, it was amazing to it, see that, that is amazing and and really you know it's really kind of delightful to see how healthy the cats look in Turkey. I mean, I, I was really stunned by that because when we were in um, Rome, there, there are tons and tons of scrawny, skinny, parasitized mm -hmm. cats yeah. that look horrible. And, then, and yet when we went to Turkey, everybody looked pretty well fed and <laughs> sort of happy and, you know, that kind of thing. And, of course, there were lots and lots of feeding stations all over the place. Yeah. I went to Princess Islands, the famous Princess Islands in Istanbul, those beautiful little seven islands around Istanbul. And one of those islands, uh, I mean, literally was invaded by cats. When you sit down in a restaurant to eat outside patio... You couldn't eat because of the cats begging you so much. For food. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> but they all looked in good health, you know. Yeah, so in, in any event, one of the things that we really need to focus on in understanding how cats think and how they experience the world is the way in which we deal with them as veterinarians. Everyone mm -hmm. would agree that their cats hate going to, to see a vet. Mm -hmm. But if we understood better how cats experience the world, then we can change the way they have mm -hmm. that experience and the, and the stress associated and the fear associated mm -hmm. with coming. Because think about a territorial animal taken out of their home range and then touched by strangers. It's just not in their repertoire and not in their comfort zone to have that happen. So that's one of the things that we, we spend a lot of time on is trying to understand how they experience the world and how to make it easier for them to get good medical care. And we do have some good tricks to make this Absolutely. visit a little bit easier for them, right? Absolutely. And and the and one of the places that you can get really good information, and there's a group of us um, feline veterinarians who have gotten together and created a curated website for cat information, and it's called catfriendly.com. Mm -hmm. And that every piece of information on that website is curated by a feline veterinarian and approved by them for, to be posted for the general public to get information. So instead of using Google to find Dr. out Google. stuff, yeah. this is a way to get really high quality information out to the public. So that's one of the things that I would like people to do is look at catfriendly.com mm -hmm. and think of it as the go-to resource for good information. Yes. I mean, uh, Reliable information on internet is such an important topic that we could speak about for hours in another episode. <laughs> yeah, and it and the and it's so hard to know mm -hmm. where, what's good and what isn't, and, and you know whether people have you know biases or you know. So if you have information curated by veterinarians, it's a huge resource for people, Absolutely. and it's written in in language that anybody can read. Oh, nice. But, yeah, so we've taken it into. Um, sort of human vocabulary mm. and out of the medical. Took out the medical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so this 
this was an interesting episode because we just kind of improvised and talked yeah. about a couple, several different uh, parts of cats. Uh, anything else you would like to add to it? Oh, I could go on for the rest <laughs> of the day, but I think we're I think we're good. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been fun. It is. Thank you. Bye bye.